Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hi, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm here with a new friend, Sean Larray Brinkley. Say hello, Sean Larray. Hello, hello. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> so I uh, am a licensed marriage family therapist. Um, and I am also a, uh, I'm, so I'm, I'm a trauma recovery specialist, which mean, means that I went back and got a postgraduate certificate degree in the psychology of trauma. Because I work with that population from the very beginning, like even my my uh, practicum was working with victims of violent crime and homicide. Yeah. So um, I thought I would need some extra help, you know, all the help I could get. In fact, working with with that population and other trauma populations that I that I work with. Um, aside from being a LMFT, I am a transformational performance coach. And mm, so I am certified. I know I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what well, that I means. Made it, I, I did based on what I wanted to do because I want to help people transform their minds. And I am getting my doctorate in performance psychology, okay. which means that I can work with, uh, yeah, I can work with athletes. I can work with musicians, which I, I am one. And, um, but, but my biggest goal is to help people perform at optimal levels in their lives. So I believe that the same principles, behaviors, and habits that athletes and musicians who perform at their top levels have, those same principles, those same habits can help us in our regular everyday lives to perform in a way that makes us smile about what we, are, what we do and who we are. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I know some people who would like those services. So (laughs) be posted as that becomes um, more of a thing for you. So um, I met Sean LaRae in a training just a couple of weeks ago that my local therapist union chapter put on. um, And it was about what, what therapists need to know about Black, Indigenous, and people of color. And so... I think Sean Larray could probably talk to us for a week about this topic, <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, I wanted to just give a brief snippet here because it's such an interesting conversation for me. Now, as a white woman growing up in a conservative Christian church, I think that there's a lot of talk right now, especially since 2020, um, a lot of people have become what's either affectionately or disaffectionately called woke, right? Yeah, yeah, right. And so um, here's what I'll say about myself, and I think I've said this before on the podcast, that I am spiritually or theologically conservative, but socially liberal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what that means is that I want to pay attention to everything that's going on with all of God's people, 
regardless of whether they know him yet or not, mm-hmm. what their skin color looks like, what their uh, level of economic achievement has been or their education. And so I want to make sure that I'm paying attention to those things and not getting stuck in one form of discourse or one narrative about how God's people function. And so when Sean LaRue was giving this training a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know how you kind of have a spidey sense for when there's another believer in the room? (laughs) (laughs) And so I said, I think this is a person of faith and I want to ask her to come on and talk about some of these issues with me on the podcast. Now, it just happens that this is Black History Month, so (laughs) it's kind of perfect, although I don't like to be kind of like kitschy and cliche like that. Like, I'm going to have a Black person on my podcast because it's Black History it's not like that that's that's icky to me so let's just say i'm having you on in honor of my birthday because (laughs) this podcast will air on my birthday so you get to celebrate with me right (laughs) so welcome Uh to my birthday celebration well i gotta tell you well thank you and it's mine as well when is your birthday the 21st no way do we have the same birthday you you're kidding no, I'm we serious. We have the exact same birthday. Okay. Well, th- welcome, I'm so everyone. I'm February 21st. Yes. So, everybody, welcome to Anne and Sean LaRae's well, birthday party podcast. <laughs> we did not plan this. I love it so much. <laughs> I love it so much. See, we're kindred in more ways than one. There you go. <laughs> okay. So, so Sean LaRae, when you gave this training before to my little local association, you said, what do therapists need to know about Black folk? and people of color. Um, But I wanted to ask you more specifically, what do people in the church who care about mental health need to know about Black folk and people of color? Wow. Okay. Let's get in here. Okay. So I think the the most important thing is that, um, you know, Black people as a a culture are very much, you know, historically God-centered people, right? right? Um, I think one of the things, though, that I have recognized, even in my own life prior to uh, getting on the therapy train, Mm. um, is that a lot of us feel, because of our connection to God and the church and religion in that way, that um, it's almost like I've said to people, if you go to therapy, you're not cheating on God. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of times people of faith are, you know, well, I believe it's going to work out and my faith tells me it is and I'm trusting God. And so what I've always said is that God made therapists too, y'all. And so it's like we are here definitely to honor your faith and your belief and all of the things that go with that. But we're here sort of to walk alongside you with an understanding of your, of of the added attraction of your faith in God and your trust and belief in his being able to work it out. I think one of the things that I often say is pray to God to lead you to the therapist that is the best therapist and the best fit for you, but don't walk out on therapy. Right. You know, and I think that because it's so, so inborn and, you know, historically going back into you know, the slavery days, faith was the only thing Black people had, the slaves coming over from Africa because everything else was stripped from them. Right. And they weren't even allowed to exercise humanity, the, the fact of being human, and they weren't thought to be. So faith 
played a huge part in their resilience and their struggle to get through it every day, like every single waking hour and moment, you know? And so I think when, when you look back on the, the Negro spirituals as they're affectionately or unaffectionately <laughs> called, <laughs> right? But, but, but those hymns and, and those are, if you listen to the words, they're, you know, they're just a cry out to God to protect, to save, to, to walk with us through those things. And so if you're entrenched in that belief and understanding that, and that's passed down generation to generation to generation, and somebody says, go sit down and tell somebody all your problems, mm -hmm. then it's kind of like, but what's God going to say about that? Because God is supposed to get me through all things. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's something we've talked about a lot on the podcast here is that it uh, regardless of your ethnic or cultural background, like there's a lot of this idea in the church that if you have God, you don't need anything else. And if you were to pray more or attend one more Bible study or get serious about your faith, then those problems wouldn't exist. And I, I'm here and I think you're here to say, hey, look, God has provided therapy and psychology as a common grace to all of his people mm -hmm. and take advantage of that because that might be the resource that he's providing for you to be able to heal some of these deep places. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like the the story of the boat. You know that story yes. where the person is, is uh, the, the flood is coming and they're like on the boat and or they're waiting for the boat and somebody comes by and they say, no, 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 God's got me, you know, mm -hmm. and they leave and another boat comes and he says the same thing. And the third boat comes and he sends it away. And then he dies and he drowns and he gets to heaven. And God says, he says to God, but you, you said you would save me. And God said, I sent you three boats. Right. <laughs> like, what were you doing? And so, yes, that's us. We're the, we're the boats, the therapists are. And I think with, with people of color also, I think there's a trust factor mm -hmm. that, um, that goes into it where it hasn't been safe to trust even God's people mm -hmm. when it comes to, to faith, because there are white Christians who have not, mm -hmm. you know, crossed over into this place of acceptance of people of color, right? Um, all in the name of Jesus, <laughs> uh, you know? And so having, you know, seeing that in, in your life play out in different ways in your everyday movement mm -hmm. um, and on Sundays. And then to to expect that, you know, therapy, you may even have a therapist who is a person of color, but in, in many people's minds, therapy is a white construct. Right. And so to trust beyond God is hard for people. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've even talked a lot about uh, cognitive behavioral therapy on the podcast, and it's something I practice with a lot of clients, but there's been a recent discussion about how it it's not the best method for people of color, because sometimes it, it feels like gaslighting. Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Ooh, am. Glad what do you want to say that. about that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, you know, even as a as a therapist, sometimes with people of color, it is hard for me to even to even introduce it. Yeah. Right. Because of the fact that there's been so many instances where we are told that there's that everything's OK and that there's nothing there and that we are wrong in the way that we are thinking mm -hmm. when it comes to implicit bias. 
Um, people will try to tell you that, no, you're imagining that. No, that's not what happened. No, that was not the intention and all those kinds of things. So Cog, when you tell somebody to reframe something, then you're 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 driving them down that same road mm-hmm. um, unless unless uh, you can help them to move past, you know, that blockage. Yeah. So you have to actually do the acknowledgement. And, and I've had a lot of black colleagues and talk about the practice of lament. So like first we acknowledge it and we say there's sorrow in this thing that you're expressing and there's mm-hmm. hurt and pain there. And then we'll move forward and we'll say, what does God have to say about that? Where does God meet you in that pain? And then how does that transform your identity? And Mm. so I'll just do a little plug right here because I do have on the Soul Grit Resources website, I do have a freebie that comes up. You can um, put your email in and get a download for how to use cognitive behavior therapy with scripture, which I think gives it a whole different lens. I think that that can work for people because you're not just trying to come up with a reframe, just pull it out of thin air and make it feel better. You're actually Mm -hmm. saying, here's the thought that I'm having and then here's what scripture has to say about it. So I'm going to go ahead and believe what God said instead yes. of what's just going down in my mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and we have to be careful too. And I'm, and I'm glad that you have such a resource because it's important to know how to apply scripture mm-hmm. therapeutically. Yes. Um, I, I had a client come in and tell me that her therapist, you know, previously had told her, she'd be telling her about some of these things and about the depression she had and how her job was contributing to it and how she was this person who was a high achiever and doing very well in her job and passed over for a promotion and it made her feel inadequate and depressed and all these things. And her therapist gave her scriptures like rejoice, you know, uh, I will say it again, rejoice and in all things. And um, the other one that I, that I absolutely love, but in context um, is uh, Psalms 139, I think it is. Um, we're fearfully and you are fear, fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. And so in giving those scriptures, her intention was really good. However, the lament part was missing. There was no connection, no empathy, no understanding, no, mm-hmm. no aligning with her that this was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And that must be an awful way to feel. It was just, oh no, read the scripture and be happy. It's like, take this pill and call me in the morning, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. um, that sort of, um, what's the word invalidates yes um what a person is going through mm-hmm. and so we can't just throw scripture at it we have to contextualize it and acknowledge and all of those things mm-hmm. so i i've said before that as a christian i prefer to go to a christian therapist um because i like somebody that is going to align with my beliefs and be able to just bring your whole soul into the counseling room um, do you feel like, is it important for people of color to see therapists who are people of color? So I think for some people it is. Um, I think that as long as a person is culturally competent mm-hmm. and not in the way that we learned it in school, but a person can actually say that they are an ally and they're living in that space mm-hmm. and they can acknowledge the privilege that comes with um, being a white person in America mm-hmm. versus what it looks like for a black person in America. Um, I have many clients who who call me 
and our practice specifically because they look on psychology today and there I am, mm -hmm. uh, you know, pretty chocolate girl. And so <laughs> <laughs> I've actually had someone say that to me. She said, I looked you up and there you were this pretty chocolate girl. And I was like, I think I want her to be my therapist. Isn't it funny <laughs> how we pick based on the photos that we see? <laughs> well, I totally chose my therapist because of her photo. I absolutely did. And she's the perfect fit. Good. Um, she, just her photo was very warm and inviting. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, I think that African-American people and other people of color, we go on instinct and mm -hmm. gut feelings and, you know, that small, still voice and all of those kinds of things. So I don't think that, uh, you know, I have learned that every black person does not feel like they need, um, a Caucasian or, or, or a therapist of color. However, I have some people who have gone to therapists, white therapists, um, and have done well with them to a certain point, mm -hmm. but they then call me and say that, you know, that therapist took them as far as they could yeah. take them. Yeah. And I think that there's a certain piece that, um, that, that can't be read about, told about studied, examined, any of that, it has to be a lived experience. Mm -hmm. And so I think to a, to a degree, that is the reason that people of color seek out people of color as, as a therapist. Um, I, I had a, a woman in my own practice who is a white woman who saw a male of color who was a veteran and who had some really serious, um, you know, incidents around race through mm -hmm. his work through the military and came into her, into the office triggered, very much triggered by the incident that happened with the councilman and, and, and councilwoman, uh, Nuri Martinez and that whole thing where she called the, um, other, uh, I forget, Senator Councilman's child, a monkey. And, you know, that conversation that was all over the news and it had just happened and he came in very triggered by it. Uh, and, she negated his feelings and validated him, um, told him we don't talk about uh, race and, 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 and politics in therapy. Um, when he said something along the lines of everybody that gets promoted um, ha it has blonde hair and blue eyes, she took offense to that and said, well, maybe it's not about race, maybe it's your personality. Mm. Uh, and so I had to have a whole conversation with her. Yeah. Um, thankfully, she was open Okay. Um, to to understanding because I shared with her that same day I was very triggered by that conversation as yeah. well mm -hmm. and whereas I, I don't expect that you would be as triggered as I am or in the same way that you open up space for me to feel that uh -huh. and to be able to empathize with that yeah um, it's okay to ask questions why does this why does this hit so hard why does this bother you so much because that's that's getting your that's getting an understanding you know we might ask that if it had nothing to do with race color ethnicity culture any of those things right. you might just ask anyone that yeah. but to to genuinely want to know more i think is 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 helpful and acceptable right um at the same time you don't want your yeah. client to be educating you uh, on right. these issues in the therapeutic setting mm -hmm. So it's, what, a, it's a dance. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I spend a lot of time reading and listening to podcasts so that I can get those different perspectives and understand what the issues are so that I can come in and 
approach, and I'm not saying I do this perfectly, but uh, my approach will be at least informed. So, so my, mm-hmm. my clients of color are not going to have to come and teach me about that, yes. but it's still going to be a different experience because I'll hear a story like that and I will have sorrow and empathy, but I won't be triggered by it in the same right. way that you are. Maybe. Right. Absolutely. Because it, in truth, it reminds you of so many reminds me us Mm -hmm. people of color of so many other incidents like that Mm -hmm. from childhood and it can be that the the most triggering piece is that there's even a question as to whether or not this is acceptable and whether or not they should resign or be fired Mm -hmm. or you know disciplined in some way or at least called out yeah why isn't there like immediate response to this kind of behavior right yes Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you've listened to the Soul Grit podcast for even one episode, you know my guests and I believe that when we integrate the power of God with the wisdom of modern psychology, we get supercharged healing, change, and growth in counseling. As a Christian therapist, however, I realize that there are many practitioners out there who are personally Christians but don't know how to integrate their faith into their counseling practices. That's why I created the e-course, Faith Integration for Therapists. In this premium five-module course, therapists who love Jesus will learn everything from understanding their calling, to marketing their practices to Christians, to adapting evidence-based interventions to honor our faith. You can learn more about the online course at www.soulgritresources.com courses and send an email to info at soulgritresources.com to receive a discount code. Uh, I am on the board of an organization and we serve um, former, we call them at promise youth uh, incarcerated because we work in the camps and the youth jails. We work um, with formerly incarcerated youth and, and youth in, in schools um, that are, you know, have challenging populations and challenging lifestyles and life situations. And, we used theater and music and art to to um, get this across. And we had an incident uh, a couple of days ago in one of the lockup facilities where a young man who is our facilitator was attacked, mm. um, racially attacked, mm. and nobody wanted to do anything about it. No. And the child, young man, was not immediately disciplined and there are people in a in the hospital of people black black people Mm -hmm. in the hospital right now based on an assault of that child so how is it that that child was able to even be in in an environment right like that to do that again right so there's some there's some huge systemic Mm-hmm. problems yeah. that are showing up that are not being addressed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and for a person of color. And then, you know, you look at that and you say, well, where's God in that situation? And mm-hmm. so that's something that, that is brought into the therapy room. So as a Christian, a therapist who is a Christian, because I am, I don't call myself a Christian therapist Mm -hmm. Um, because I see people who do not have that faith, but Mm -hmm. I am a therapist who is a Christian and definitely work with Christian people. But I think in, you know, in those situations then I have to put my, my hat on really quick and, 
and and think of and find scriptural references that that I can bring out that can align and help a person to get back to the truth about who they are in their core, about what they believe and how they want to live. Mm -hmm. But it's hard sometimes when you have constantly you you turn on the news and there's another person Mm -hmm. murdered by cops, um, you know, and people want to make excuses for it and they want to say, well, they did this, but it's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. but did they have to pay with their life? Right. Now, I remember a couple of weeks ago when I heard you speak and it was really recent what happened in Memphis with Tyree Nichols and you had, I don't know if it was somebody else or if you had brought it up that, you know, people will make excuses to say, well, look, all all the other cops that were in that situation were also black. So this isn't a racial issue. But but you turned that around and said, no, this is like deeply entrenched. So can you say a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. So um, there there are, oh, wow, there's so many things. Yeah. So <laughs> when, <laughs> you're down. So um, it's it's post, post-traumatic slave syndrome um, is real. Intergenerational trauma is real. Part of what we talked about in that training is how there is an internalization of the negative um, beliefs around black people, people of color, that Mm -hmm. we are only this and we are only that and this and that being something bad. And if you're a child growing up in an area where every day you go to school and you're called names and your racial epithets are thrown at you, people don't bother to teach you because they don't believe you can learn. Um, Everywhere you pick up the news and you hear everywhere you go, there's something being displayed that is bad about being black Mm -hmm. and, uh, and Brown. Um, And, and in many cases in America, yellow, Asian, Mm -hmm. when, when you, when, when you internalize that, then of course you don't care about your own life. So you don't care about anybody else who looks like you. And I think when those police officers are given this power, because they were, they formed this task force to, you know, reduce crime or whatever, they're given that power. And then when they use that power, no matter how negative it is, they're applauded. Mm by the by their white bosses by their the the white system that employs them yeah and so it's easy to get drunk on that power mm-hmm. when you've never been given it legitimately on your right. own merit and because you are good at what you do and not because you have this brawn or this this ability to be strong and to take down people and those kinds of things. And I think those people get, get caught up in that cycle. Yeah. They never had a chance to get some of those mindsets and experiences fully healed before they were given that power and authority. And Mm -hmm. so when you have somebody in power that has these deep woundings, as they, you said, they've had since childhood, that there's going to be a, opportunity for them to misuse it right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And it's hard as a people also, it's hard to empathize with that when that happens. And so there's this huge disconnect, just like this young man who was was hurt by a Hispanic person who has, you know, does not um, have any respect or, or, or care about Black people. Mm-hmm. Then I was assaulted as a therapist by a young Black child, a 15-year-old girl. Wow. Um, however, I couldn't be mad at her. Yeah. I was angry at the director's who insisted that I be the person to tell her that she was being terminated when I'm the only adult she's ever connected with in her entire life. Yeah. And for me to have to say, you are being terminated, you have to leave the program. That's one more betrayal. This child had been raped, molested, raped, trafficked all by the time she was 14 years old when she came to the group home. And so at that point, who do we who do we blame? Right. Certainly not her, but I, I can I can blame the person who, when another child was asked to come back to the group home and we'd been given protocol that children who had girls who had been trafficked got to be accepted back into the group home because the protocol was if once you leave, you can't go back to the same place. Okay. But when that child asked to come back, not because she had done anything, but because the people she went to live with no longer wanted her to live there. She didn't have any place to go. Probation officer called. I wasn't there. They told, staff told them that she couldn't come back. When I asked why that, why that was able to happen, if I'm, if it's my house, I am the leader in that house. I'm the boss. Mm -hmm. And I was told to get over myself. Oh, well, and like, I did. I resigned. <laughs> there you go. Response. <laughs> you moved on. <laughs> yes, because at that point I realized that it wasn't about they. We didn't care about the same things. Yeah. And the fact that that young lady was able to assault me, we didn't care about the same things because I was trying to preserve her from having to be betrayed in that way again, mm-hmm. and they didn't care. Right. You know, I was trying to help this young lady not go back to the life that she had been led to before because she had no options and they didn't care. That young woman is dead. Hmm. She was murdered in 2020. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So this thing is way bigger than all of us. And that's why I, you know, I would pray for those girls when I was working there. Um, I have the gift of being able to pray for all of my clients, whether they like it or not. <laughs> you don't have to tell them. <laughs> I don't have to tell them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a gift. I think because it is so big, though, a lot of us, even though um, people who care about it, whether whatever color you are, whatever ethnic background you come from, you can care about it and you can read the scripture and you know that God cares about justice. And it just feels so big that people don't know what to do. They don't know how do you become an ally? How do you make a change? And so I'm hoping that like what we're doing in mental health care is making a dent, but mm-hmm. we all know this system is messed up too. Oh yes. <laughs> so like little by little we're chipping away and just in our, our own personal relationships, the people that we interact with, 
I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where else to go. No, I think you're right. I think it's, it is so, there's so much work to be done mm -hmm. and it shows up in so many places that you sometimes are like, well, do I start over here or do I start mm -hmm. over there? And, mm -hmm. But I think you have to start somewhere. I yeah. think that's the answer to that. You just have to start somewhere and you have to do what you can. Yeah. Do you have any resources that you would like uh, to share with listeners of this show? Wow. Let's see. Um, I don't know their websites offhand. I should have prepared for that. Um, Give me a name and I'll find it and I can, okay, I can add it so to show notes. One of them is, oh my gosh. Uh can I give it to you later? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll you put can, it in the show notes? You can send it to me and I'll put it in show notes. So if you're listening to this and you're like, yes, I want to I wanna move forward with this topic, then make sure you check out the show notes. And um, maybe, Sean LaRae, would you like to tell us about your podcast? Absolutely. So I have a podcast. It's called Boss Talk. That's bold, one of a kind, sensational superstars. <laughs> and I, um, it's a lot of fun, but I interview, I interview a little bit of everybody. I interview therapists, I interview coaches. I, tonight I have, uh, for the month of February, it's love month. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I'm interviewing couples and oh. tonight I have a couple on who are the, um, they have a, tel a television show called marriage can win. Okay. Um, they work with, um, power couples, um, they do, um, generational, uh, financial planning and all of that kind of thing. Um, last month I had the, the, uh, uh, the marriage CEOs on, mm -hmm. and they are also a couple that works, uh, in the same way. They're both counselors. Um, the, the wife in this couple is a doctor of psychology, um, Next month, I have uh, a social worker and his wife, who happened to be our my best friends. Uh, they were the best friend couple. I lost my husband to COVID in February of 2021, and so they're going to come on and we're going to talk about just you know how we helped our marriages when we were we were together and and how important it is to to have that couple in your life that you yeah. can go to and say, look, this is not working. How can you help us do that? And uh, so um, we do talk about a lot of mental health issues. I think that comes up in every single show and we give resources there as well. Um, I, I'm another resource myself. So if you want to bring me to your organization to talk about DEI or what every therapist needs to know about black folks and other people of color BIPOC I'm happy to do so yeah. good yes uh, Sean Larray is a much uh, enjoyed speaker all over for therapists in California but also other groups too like you don't have to be a therapist to right. learn from this kind of um, information so mm -hmm. that is great and you also run a practice there in the LA area right Yes, I have a private practice in Encino, right on Ventura Boulevard, right in the heart uh, of Encino. And we, um, I have uh, five employees now, and uh, we are seeing children, couples, families, uh, veterans are a are, um, large part of our population. Um, we work directly with the VA. Um, in that my husband was a veteran and so they have a special place in my heart. I started seeing veterans in, uh, well, gosh, in my practicum, but I started working with the VA here in, 
in this private practice in 2018. So exciting things going on over here. Good. Yeah. And since everybody has kind of made that uh, switch during 2020 to be able to um, understand telehealth and how it works to have an online counselor. Um, if you are a resident of California, then that's uh, something that you could look up to if you're in need of some counseling. So absolutely. And locally, you. we do see we we are open in person as well. Yes, for local. Great. Yeah. For anybody who wants to drive. <laughs> mm-hmm. So thank you so much for joining us today and providing your perspective. I hope you really enjoyed your birthday party. How was it for you? <laughs> it was fantastic. And, you know, I do celebrate the whole month. So this is a great way. To exactly. I wonder if that's going. something I, I say my birthday starts on February 21st or it starts on February 1st and it ends on the 28th. But then once in a while you need a little bit more. So I just go from January 21st to March 21st, so <laughs> a month in either direction. Right? Well, I, I can't go all the way to the 21st. I go to March 19th because okay. my older sister's birthday is February 20th. Okay. And our baby sister is April 30th. So, (laughs) okay. Well, I guess you have to share. Yeah. And she says she gets the whole year because she's the baby. So, oh, there you go. Well, I always end the podcast by saying, What are you doing for soul care? Mm, The most recent thing. So, on Saturday, so I'm the president of an organization called the Black Women's Network. Mm. And our meeting is this Saturday. And I have a therapist in my practice mm-hmm. who is trained in, in uh, providing sound baths. Oh, so we are okay. celebrating uh, Black History Month by talking about Black motherhood, the history of maternal health then and now. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a healing sound bath. Wow. I've never done that before. Have you done it? Oh, I have. She did it for me just last week. I, I've done it before, but she did it for me here in the, in the office last week. And I didn't want to do another thing all day. It was so <laughs> fabulous. I just felt okay. so good. And okay. then I do a daily bubble bath and meditation. That's how mm-hmm. I start my day. Um, it helps. I love water and I can't get to the beach every day. Mm-hmm. So I do a bubble bath and it just really um, starts my day in a calm, open space. And I'm very clear when I leave the house in the morning. And without it, I'm not the same person. So that's how I take care of my soul. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. And again, everybody, you can find the resources that we've been talking about in the show notes. And I'll I'll have you... um, the links to Sean Lurie's practice and podcast and everything uh, posted in there and anything else that she decides to send me. <laughs> and then um, I hope that that's uh, really blessed you and, and made you think about some, some things that maybe you want to start thinking about differently or doing differently. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. The soul grit podcast is a production of soul grit resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at soulgritresources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.